welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus Podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is sponsored by EvoFem Biosciences, NASDAQ, EVFM, a female-forward company revolutionizing women's healthcare with game-changing products that address unmet needs in women's sexual and reproductive health. Learn more at evofem.com. Today, we interview Kim Rodriguez, former president, co-founder, and CEO of Accessa Health. Kim was most recently the president, CEO, and co-founder because it was successfully sold this year, another femtech exit. It was sold to Hologic, which is the number one femtech acquirer, actually. Uh, for $80 million in only three and a half years since the company started. Incredible. Accessa Health offers a procedure for women suffering from symptomatic uterine fibroids. The Accessa procedure is a minimally invasive outpatient treatment with laparoscopic radiofrequency ablation to preserve the uterus. I had no idea how prevalent and severe fibroid issues were for women in the U.S., can you believe that 70% of women have fibroids? That's inc- crazy. 6.5 million women in the U.S. seek fibroid treatment every year, and 80%, 80% of African-American women develop fibroids by the age of 50. Unfreaking believable Obviously, this medical procedure created by Accessa Health was needed by women, And it speaks volume to the company's value, the fact that it was acquired after three and a half years. All I know is that as an investor, if Kim Rodriguez founds another company or if there's another femtech med device company with great traction like they'd have, I am going to make a lot of money as an investor. If you are an investor, if you want to make money, put your money in femtech y'all exits do not happen this fast so it is huge markets and it's a huge need and you're going to save women's lives in the meantime isn't that awesome so femtech exits are on the rise and i cannot wait to see where the industry goes next enjoy the episode hey kim welcome to the show Hi, Brittany. How are you? It's great to be here. Oh, man. I am doing great. I am so excited to have you on the show because, listeners, we have a recent exit. Yay! Yay! And Kim was like, do you still want me on the show? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, now you have to be on the show. You sold your company? Like, yeah, definitely. (laughs) So we're very excited to have you. Where, Where are you located right now? So I'm in Austin, Texas, and I'm originally from Southern California, so I moved here about seven years ago, and love it. It's great to be in the center of the country, 
can get anywhere on an airplane That's simply, right. although these days we don't really need an airplane, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice change. That's awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, our listeners know I, I'm uh, from Houston, but I actually just recently moved to Raleigh, North Carolina because the pandemic showed me I can work from anywhere. So I decided Very I nice. want to work from the mountains and the woods and a little bit of seasons. So um, but I'll definitely be back in Texas. We should get together when there's yes. a vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kim, you know, we love to kick off our episodes with some information about, you know, our guests, the background of it, because, you know, we want to know how did you end up here? We have a lot of aspiring founders. We have a lot of university students, graduate students. And so, you know, what did you study? Where are you from? And then how did you end up here? Great. Um, well, first of all, Brittany, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to join you and to share the Assessa Health story. Um, a little bit about me. I was originally planning uh, to go to medical school or become a PA, which you know drove me to work a bit in the hospital while I was going through college. And I was actually in the radiology department, credit cath lab, and ran into some uh, some salespeople that, um, you know, got me interested in terms of like, what's that med tech thing that these sales reps are doing all wearing <laughs> scrubs and running around the hospital. They're not nurses, techs, or doctors, but they're business people. And, you know, so that's, that's how I got into med tech originally. And, uh, I'm from Southern California. So that was in Southern California. I did my undergrad at Pepperdine. And then, um, while I was working at one of the med tech companies, I actually went back and got an executive MBA at USC. Um, and in terms of my history, I spent about 20 plus years in the med tech industry, cardiovascular, peripheral vascular, neurovascular, and most recently women's health. And I've worked for some of the largest companies like Johnson and Johnson, Stryker, and several startups. I think I'm now, I think six of seven or six of eight or something have been acquired of my startup experience. And so, oh my most, gosh, that yeah. is like, you're like a lucky rabbit's foot or something because that is like very high, high rate of exits. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, and I, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, getting involved with technologies that are going to make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. And just being really purposeful about those technologies. And so, um, yeah, it's been it's been a really great ride. And most recently in women's health with Assessa Health and Cologic actually acquired our company about a month ago. So now I'm thinking about what's next. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Really quickly, um, uh, your background with the cardiovascular, neurovascular, did you ever notice there was like a uh, female lens ever held up? Like, because we talk about on Femtech Focus podcast that, you know, Femtech is not only things that only affect women like menopause, but it's also about like, how come more women have Alzheimer's? How come women yeah. die more often of heart attacks? So with, in your experience, was there ever like a woman's group in those research groups? There, I mean, look, I, I go back 20 years, right? So there was a lot of discussion about women, particularly in clinical trials. That was mm. one of the hot topics of when, you know, are women represented in clinical trials? The same thing goes for women of color. Those are two big issues. And then um, the other big top, so then the second kind of trend that I saw in my career is women in heart disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, heart disease just on the surface seems like kind of everybody's problem, but yeah. found that women were underrepresented and underdiagnosed. And so the red dress came out of that. And 
a very big deal now today. And so that was a big trend. And then last is just women in leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was one of few for many years, uh, in the executive, you know, boardrooms and, uh, it's definitely changing and there's a lot to be excited about in that area. Good. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm glad that there was at least grumblings or talking about women not being in clinical trials. I was on a panel recently about gender bias in biomedical research. And it's like, I mean, if you go all the way down to the animal studies or cells that we use, like they, the cells are XY, they're male cells that we're using in laboratory, the most basic fundamental research. And so it's like, how far back does this gender bias go? <laughs> you know, right. like, what are the ripple effects of this? So right. interesting. So how did you get into Assessa Health? So I was actually, it's it's a bit of a long story, but I'll give it to you quick. Um, but I was recruited into Holt Medical, actually originally. Holt Medical was the original company that had developed the Assessa procedure. And so a lot of money was raised and a lot of money was spent, some good, some not so good. And when I was recruited into Holt, it was really to turn it around mm. and what I found was that there was a highly leveraged balance sheet. There was some liquidity challenges, some shareholder challenges. And unfortunately, it wasn't fundable. I couldn't raise money for Holt. Mm. Um, again, Holt had the original assessive procedure, radiofrequency ablation for uterine fibroids. I fell in love with the market. You know, solving a big problem for women that are suffering from uterine fibroids is a huge problem. There's a huge unmet need. The technology itself was, was a perfect solution for the next minimally invasive option for women, and then the core team. And so what we decided to do is I hired some bankers and lawyers and decided to take halt through bankruptcy. And then we formed Assessa Health actually three, a little over three years ago in June of 2017 and started the company with eight people, bought the assets from Halt, put them into Assessa. And then we advanced the technology to the latest generation technology that got approved in 2018 and sold the company a little over three years later. So oh my gosh. Um, it's an amazing journey of just like super supportive, awesome investors and board members, a phenomenal team, a core technology that had tremendous potential, but wasn't completely there yet mm-hmm. and fully coming together with Assessa Health. So it's, it's a great story. Amazing. All right. So let's dig into what are uterine fibroids and then what is the technology of ablation? Like that sounds really scary and super like Star Wars or something. So, you know, we have a lot of listeners on here. We do have a lot of medical people, but also, you know, not medical people. And so can you break it down for us? What is a uterine fibroid? Yes. Yes. So uterine fibroid is a benign growth in your uterus and it can be the size of a blueberry and as big as a grapefruit. Oh. Uterine fibroids can be numerous uh, in, in number and as well, obviously, in size. And fibroids can be found on the inside of the uterus, in the middle, in the muscle, and on the outside. Oh. Fibroids affect 70 to 80% of women, a third are symptomatic, and four times more women of color are affected than white women. So it's a really big problem. And today's standard of care is major surgery. So it is a hysterectomy, which is cutting your uterus out of your body or a myomectomy, which is cutting the fibroids out of your body. Mm. Both of which have a six to eight week recovery time, both of which are cutting into the uterus, integrity of the uterus 
you can imagine where that goes, right? Mm -hmm. And so Assessa is a technology that applies radio frequency ablation or heat in a minimally invasive way targeted to treat each individual fibroids. So it's a two-port laparoscopic procedure. Women go in on an outpatient basis. They're under anesthesia. Two-port laparoscopic procedure. They use a percutaneous needle to target each individual fibroid. They treat all the fibroids without cutting and suturing into the uterus. And then she goes home the same day. She goes home on a Tylenol. Typically, she's back to normal in about three to five days. Wow. So these fibroids, they're solid. They're not, it's not like a cyst with liquid, right? It's a solid thing. Yeah, they can be, they can be, have like, they're full of blood, right? So oh. they can be squishy, so to yeah. speak. But they can also be calcific, which means they could be hard like a baseball, right? Yeah. And so Assessa in its treatment of applying heat to those individual fibroids takes that baseball and turns it into a marshmallow, yeah. right? And so over time, that fibroid, after it's been treated, heated, and kind of shrunk, it starts to shrink, and then it absorbs within the tissue over time. Mm-hmm. And so uterus shrinks, the fibroids shrink, and then, of course, her symptoms go away, right? The typical symptoms with a fibroid patient are heavy menstrual bleeding, abdominal pain, urinary pain, painful sex. It is a debilitating condition that a lot of women don't really talk about. And and a lot of women don't even, some of them don't even know what a normal period is. Like a normal period is three to five days. And these women that have uterine fibroids are bleeding for 10, 15, 20, wow. 25 days. In addition to all the pain, and some even look pregnant and they're not pregnant and or some think they're fat, but they're not fat. It's their fibroids. And so it's a horrible condition. And and uh, Assessa, I think, is making a really big difference in that. Do we know what causes them? We don't. It's, really? it's something that doctors talk a lot about and there's a lot of papers written about it, but but we really don't know why. And uh, there needs to be more research on this. Yeah. How many, how many would you say laboratories are like studying this? Are there a lot of laboratories studying this? Or is there like one or like anybody? (laughs) It's, it's really sad. Um, The NIH hasn't put out a lot of money for uterine fibroids. the only studies that are happening are those that are funded by medical device technology companies or Mm -hmm. companies. Mm -hmm. So industry is driving all the research. Now, um, Kamala Harris actually just proposed a bill that is going to propose $20 million being invested, which it's not that much money, honestly. Yeah, I know. know. 20 million. I used to think that was a lot. And then I like had a startup and raised a million and I was like, damn it, we need so much more. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. we raised 30 million for Sessa. Wow. I mean, we did one small trial and built so. a company over three years. I mean, it's just not that much money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go Kamal for Kamala for uh, Kamala Harris for, uh, you know, thinking of us, you know, yes. but we definitely yeah. need to vote for more and more and more. Um, yeah. And just as a side note, look, I mean, Assessa Health was behind that uh, DC briefing that drove her pushing that bill forward. We wow. we partnered with the White Dress Project, which is a women advocacy group that focuses on advancing awareness, research, and support for women who are suffering from fibroids. So Assessa Health and the White Dress Project got together, went on the Hill, had a briefing. Harris was there. She got passionate behind it and proposed the bill. So really big step forward. Wow. And um, the White Dress Project also is behind, Assessa's not, but White Dress is, 
White Dress is principally responsible for Vibrate Awareness Month in the month of July. So um, we're making progress. We are. And you know what? Thank First of all, thank you, Kim, for all the work you've done. You know, like you were tasked with building a company and you then went into politics and government, right? Like you're doing all these amazing things for women. Um, you know, I am... I am proud of the femtech community, but also sad for us that so many femtech founders are doing the research to prove why their device is needed or how it's going to work or why people even get, you know, um, vaginal atrophy or fibroids or PCOS or whatever. And so I'm like proud, like, oh, wow, look at our founders. They're really doing, they're doing, they're trailblazing. But at the same time, I'm like, that's not their job. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, scientists should do that. And like all this data should be available so us entrepreneurs can just innovate, you know, not have oh, to yeah. do research. Huh? So do we know any reason? And again, totally fine if the answer is like, nope, we have no idea. But like, why do women of color have more fibroids than white women? We don't know. We don't know. We really don't know. Wow. Yeah, we don't know. I just know that in the southern states, there's four times more hysterectomies, <gasps> you know, here in Texas, I think about San Antonio, which is predominantly a Hispanic population, yeah. way more fibroids than Austin. Wow. Uh, Denver, Colorado has the least amount of fibroids. It's a predominantly white state, wow. right? Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, we don't know why, but yeah. it is, it's a problem. Do people and get, sorry, lower no. socioeconomic areas like the South, um, really struggle with getting insurance mm. when they need it to cover new therapies and new innovations. Look, I mean, for our procedure, we had to get a category one CBT code. We had to go and fight payer by payer by payer. Yes. And we were able to get Texas and Illinois and Maryland and DC and, and yeah, all these great states to cover all these great carriers, Aetna nationally, you know, uh, many of the Blue Cross Blue Shield carriers in those states I mentioned, but like the Southern states, like Louisiana and Alabama and, and Tennessee, like they're holdouts. And I'm like, mm. why you have so many women getting hysterectomies? Like, this is crazy. They need to get access to this technology. Yeah. So you have to ask that question too. Like yeah. what's, what's going on there too? Yes. I mean, that's another thing that femtech founders are often responsible for is literally making the billing codes because no one's ever addressed these issues or had any solutions to these issues. So there was nothing to bill for it. And so femtech founders are now like writing insurance policy around how can we bill for this procedure because women have been suffering forever without any procedure treatment. Intense. Wow. Well, so the old way was cutting the woman open, taking out her whole uterus or cutting into the uterus, getting out these fibroids. So um, Assessa Health has this laparoscopic, which to my understanding is essentially like two little holes with two like kind of robot arms that kind of go in. So the woman leaves with just, she gets stitches, maybe one or two little stitches or no. Yeah. Like teeny, like the little bitty baby ones, yeah, right? Like yeah. It, like literally like two, think about ones in the belly button, which you can't see. Oh. And one and one is right below the belly button or kind of above the belly button. Oh. So it just depends on where her fibroids are. Yeah. So, so it's too small. And I think if you go on the assessor procedure website, there are some pictures of an abdomen with the two little small. Huh. Compare that to even a robotic hysterectomy or robotic myomectomy. Those are like four to six ports. 
So that's like four to six holes in your abdomen. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, these little robot arms go in there and they heat it. They, they use radio frequency and they essentially just zap it, zap it out. Well, they heat it till it dies Uh and and then it absorbs in the body. (gasps) Wow. Our bodies are so amazing. Sometimes we just need to help it do its job. You know, sometimes you just got to get out of the way. So you were recently acquired. Can you tell us about that? Because we do have founders listening and that's like the dream, right? And so as a, um, also you're not, are you a med device or you're a procedure? What was actually like the selling point? Like what's the IP there? Yeah. So Assessa Health is a women's health medical device company and we have the medical devices that are inside the procedure, right? Got it. We call it the Assessa procedure because what we're doing is it is radio free. It's laparoscopic radio frequency ablation under ultrasound guidance. And so what oh. makes it unique and makes it a procedure is that we're imaging the uterus. So there's an ultrasound transducer on the uterus or so imaging the uterus so that the doctor can see all the fibroids through the oh. advanced imaging system. And then there's a guidance mapping system that helps the doctor find the center of the fibroid. And then once they find the center of the fibroid, there's really a computer in the system that tells them how long to ablate based on the size of the fibroid. Okay. So it is a full system that that becomes the procedure. Got it. And so in order to get acquired, because I know sometimes like therapeutics, drugs, you can be acquired and you haven't even hit the market yet, right? You just need to pass your first clinical trial. And so for y'all, what was the the like benchmark of like, all right, if we can do this, somebody might buy us. Yeah. You know, companies of the past, now I'm not, it certainly is still happening, Mm -hmm. but in the past, you could actually sell companies without FDA clearance, without reimbursement without a lot of clinical data you Uh can have a compelling technology that serves a significant market unmet need and people are really clear about what that fda and reimbursement path is and so the company will sell yeah right fast forward the invest the strategics that are looking to acquire companies they want all the risk off the table they don't want dilutive deals right a dilutive deal is one that requires more and more investment to get it to commercial Mm -hmm. right Versus a product that's FDA cleared, has some reimbursement, is commercially selling, is scalable so that they could put it in the in the oh. in the sales bag of all their salespeople. Yeah. Like those are really critical pieces for them because the less they have to do and the easier it is for them to just sell it, the more creative it is to their yeah, business. Yeah, makes right? sense. So they're always thinking about enterprise value, right? And so for logic. And I won't speak on their behalf, but I'll just tell you generally the way that I'm seeing things and and Mm -hmm. what happens is, um, you know, we had an FDA cleared product. We had a category one CPT code. We had half the United States covered with reimbursement. We had 50 peer reviewed publications. We had completed 4,000 procedures. We had revenue. We had uh, 10 salespeople. So we had like market adoption. And so... Yeah, I don't know how many salespeople they have now, but let's say they have over 200 salespeople, right? So now they can take the 10 and apply it to 200, and now they've got a top-line revenue-generating opportunity in their portfolio. The other thing that it represents for them and for other medtech leaders to be thinking about strategics is, how does Assessa fit in their portfolio? Well, they have a phenomenal portfolio of women's health products. They actually have several divisions, like they have breast, they have diagnostic, and then they have surgical. 
So Assessa was acquired inside the surgical division. Mm. And inside the surgical division, they have all these very cool tools to address heavy menstrual bleeding. Some for polyps, some for cysts, some for the lining in the uterus. And then Assessa was like the perfect ad for the fibroids. And so they can give a woman a complete treatment for her heavy menstrual bleeding. And so if she has a polyp and a fibroid and some lining issues, like they have all those products now to address her in one sitting. So Mm. the physicians now, their customers can customize treatment for the woman. And that's really a terrific offering and why Assessa was attractive to them. Yeah, Hologic, I think, to the best of my knowledge, is like one of the most active femtech acquirers. Um, I have some data on terms of like who's exited and how much, and I see Hologic's name a lot. So yeah. that's that's really awesome. Did you always have them on the radar, or like how did when did you start planning an exit strategy as a founder? So I believe great companies are bought, not sold. So I was never for sale. Um, but I also believe that networks and relationships are pretty important in any business yeah. for all sorts of reasons, right? So I, uh, when I took over in 2016-17 from HALT to forming Assessa in 17, I was new to women's health. And so I started building relationships. I built a relationship with Hologic, with ConMed, with Smith & Nephew, with you know, Boston Scientific. And so I just started having lots of conversations and never did I have conversations about, oh, buy my company. It was more like, (laughs) I'm new. I'm running the company. This is my vision. This is where we're going. Keep an eye out on us. And maybe one day there'll be something here. Right. And, um, and even when it came time for them to have a lot of interest, which, which was late 2019, um, I really wasn't in a position to have to sell, right? Because I had incredibly mm. supportive investors. We were ready to raise our next round of funding. We were going to take an up round. We were actually thinking about buying a couple products and building a midsize. Whoa. You know, we were thinking, oh my gosh, we can go IPO. So we were in a really wonderful position to not have to sell. Yep. But this made a lot of sense. It made <laughs> a lot of sense because Hologic will commercialize Assessa and expand access for women way faster than we can. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the vision of Assessa was to change the standard of care for women suffering from uterine fibroids yeah. and make sure that women have access to all available options. And so, so Hologic d- does that and is doing that. And I'm thrilled because they're the best potential buyer. Yeah. And you know, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, selling a company in the middle of a pandemic at a successful exit is a true testament to the team, the team's accomplishments, the technology, the unmet need in the market. And I'm just thrilled by that. Yeah. If I can tell investors like, oh no, there's exits happening in femtech during the pandemic. Like it hasn't changed. It's like, that tells you the market needs this that bad, you know, pandemic or not, no one's pausing this. It's, it needs to happen. Um, What's your future hope for uterine fibroids? You know, your your procedure obviously ablates it, so it's assuming they're already there. Do you have a hope for us to, like, not have them anymore? What's your future goal for uterine fibroids? Absolutely. That, that's such a great question. I think it comes down to awareness and early diagnosis to mm-hmm. start, right? I think women don't know they have this condition. This is a taboo topic. Your period is not a, not a topic people talk about. And I think if women knew sooner that they were dealing with this condition, that they would take action sooner, their fibroids wouldn't be so big and they wouldn't be facing hysterectomy, which is what many of them are faced with and affecting, you know, 
many, many women can't go on to have children because they have fibroids and they didn't take mm-hmm. care of those fibroids and those fibroids are getting in the way of their uterine wall and their uterine wall needs to be clean for them to be able to have babies. And so there's just a lot of kind of upstream work we need to do to educate women about their uterus and about the conditions that they are faced with and what to do about them. And so I think that's a really big one. I think research, I think we need to know why. We need to know why black women, why why Hispanic women and why less white women. We need mm-hmm. to know why do some grow faster and slower? And, it, you know, is, is it a drug? Is it a preventative? I don't know, but we do need to research this more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, what do you, little philosophical question here, like, what do you feel about doctors just opting for hysterectomies as a solution to like any uterine problem? I feel like that is a kind of a barbaric easy way out of like, well, we'll just take the whole unit out, you know? And it's like, well, if my car needs an oil change, we don't change the engine every time. Right. (laughs) Like it's not like we're taking it. So do you, and I'm asking you again, like kind of a philosophical, like, what do you think is the mindset behind that? Is it the wrong mindset? What are we doing there? It's a horrible mindset because if we were pulling out men's parts, somebody put a stop to it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'll start there. Yeah. Uh, and doctors get paid really well to just cut it out. Mm. And it's really easy to just cut it out. Yeah. It's like clip, 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 pull it out. And pull it out through a C-section. You know, like it's really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's so many great innovations available that women don't have to have a hysterectomy. If she has cancer, she needs a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, mm-hmm. fibroids are a benign condition by and large, like 0.00. One five percent have cancer, um, but if she has cancer, get a hysterectomy. By and large, women don't need hysterectomies unless they really, really want one, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are far too many, and there's far too many that are unnecessary. Even the biggest societies have supported that. That over sixty percent of hysterectomies are unnecessary. Wow. Look, if you think about like the number one surgical procedure for women, it's a C-section for delivery, and the number two surgical procedure for women is a hysterectomy. Wow. So two really like unnatural things are happening to women. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's an opportunity. Yes, absolutely. What would you say if let's say there's a woman listening and either currently or maybe in the future, she, it is suggested to her, she doesn't have cancer, but they're like, you should have a hysterectomy. What should a woman do? Cause I feel like, hell, I didn't know before I started Femtech Focus. Like if a doctor told me I needed a hysterectomy, I think I might just be like, Oh Jesus. Okay. Like, but Let's do yeah. it, Doc. You know, like what what yeah. should women do? They definitely need a second opinion, second a third opinion. opinion. Talk to their friends. Get on the social media sites. Like social media has gotten really good with this. I mean, we were all over Facebook and Instagram mm. and Twitter, mostly Facebook and Instagram. Um, there are help uh, groups inside of Facebook that I think are fantastic where women are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think you could just you could just search hysterectomy and you'll find all those groups. And that's what I would recommend. Second, third opinion, talk to your friends, get on social media, do your research, do your homework, be your advocate, be your best Mm. advocate. And that's what you can do. Yes. And 
like I just had a baby nine months ago, right? And I was in a doctor's office in the, you know, throughout the last seven years, people telling me, you're not going to have a baby. You're not going to have a baby. You're not going to have a baby. And I did my own research and I got a fifth and sixth opinion and I have a baby now. So wow. <laughs> um, congratulations! Yeah. Yes. but that's what we have to do. We have yep. to not give up advocate on behalf of ourselves. That's right. Unfortunately, we do have a lot of founders that come on here that share stories of, yep, my doctor said, no, you're fine. And I've had to be like, no, 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 really, I'm in pain. This doesn't feel right. I don't know, even know how to describe it, but I know something's not right. So yes. um, advocate for yourselves, y'all. Yes. Do it. Um, Absolutely. Kim, you are a rock star. I want to know what is like, do you know yet? What's your next step? If it's just like being an <laughs> awesome mom for a little while, that's awesome too. But like, what's your, what else do you want to do? Yeah. So, so I'm resetting right now. I'm resetting mm -hmm. spiritually, mentally, physically. I'm just like three legs of the stool, just getting super solid. Uh, I spent almost five years just just knee deep in a Sessa at 200% every single day. And it was my first baby. I mean, it really was. I, you know, founded the company with some investors and, and my heart and soul went into it. And now it's like, I'm a little like, okay, now what? And what I do know is that what I do next, I have to be as passionate about mm -hmm. and I'm not going to settle and I'm going to find something that's going to make a difference in the world. And I hope it's women's health and can make women happy, healthy, better, uh, and empowering women. But if it's in a different area, I'm okay with that too, as long as it really helps patients, I right? Because that's what drives me. Yeah. And that's, you know, what we say at Femtech Focus is that if you improve women's health, you improve everyone's health. We're kind of yes. doing an RBG spin here, you know, like we're actually like, hey, man, if you want rights, you got to get women rights. So we're yes, like, right. hey, man, if you we don't just birth women. So like you should probably take care of uteruses, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know. We have a lot of aspiring femtech founders that are like kind of looking and thinking about like, oh, what should I make? What should I do? What's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? So I, I think about women's health in about six areas. First is adolescent. Second is fertility, reproductive, um, menstrual, pelvic health, which is what we've spent a lot of time on here today. Mm -hmm. Sexual wellness, pregnancy, maternal, fetal, and then like menopause. And you know, there's a lot of opportunity in all of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and there's different reasons that you would want to get involved in the, the, the ones I've, I've outlined. Um, I personally think that, you know, just because of my personal journey, I think fertility needs a lot of help and a mm -hmm. lot of work. Um, it, it's very expensive and it's not affordable for the average woman. Mm -hmm you either need to work for a really big company that has the kind of insurance to support it, or you need a lot of cash or you need a good credit card. Like mm -hmm. that sucks. Um, so, and I think that, you know, part of that is a lot like fibroids. Like there's an awareness issue. Like women need to know if they're going to get married late or wait, that they're going to have to freeze their eggs. And again, that's not affordable. And so mm -hmm. like this family planning side of things is a big opportunity in my mind. And, and I think there's um, room for, improvement and taking costs out of the system for the consumer. 
The other one is menopause. We don't talk a lot about menopause, right? I mean, again, we're going adolescence menopause, right? And there's everything in between. And it's like a woman hits menopause and everybody forgets about her, right? Because her uterus is no longer of use to the doctor, to the gynecologist, because they don't need to look at it anymore because she's like done, right? And, but these women in menopause are like, I mean, I'm not in menopause, but I talk to my, you know, friends and family members that are, and there's just not a lot of support and there's not a lot of innovation. And I think it's a huge market in terms of opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially cause you know, you mentioned fertility and it's like, well, not every woman has fertility issues and not every woman wants a family. Every woman, every person with a period eventually is going to stop having their period, you yeah. know? And it's like, that's all of them. And, and yeah. um, yeah, totally. In terms of like, you know, we've talked on this on the show before about it's like we learned about our periods in adolescence, but someone ripped out the last chapter about when your period ends and what that experience is like, you know, we just talk about like, you get a period and then now you're fertile and then like have babies, but like no one told you about like, and then here's the whole negative chapter. It's crazy. So true. Yeah. Um, And then Uh, one other question we love to ask is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? So I know you, yeah. So that, that one, uh, it's, that's a heavy question because it needs a lot. It needs, (laughs) (laughs) it needs investment. Yeah. Money. It needs attention by the investment community Mm -hmm. and that starts with having women represented at the vc firms and Mm -hmm. diversity look we need you know more um women and men of color representing companies and Mm -hmm. venture capital firms and we need diversity of thought and diversity of experience in women in femtech and and why that's important is because it's been the same way for so many years and if we want to have breakthrough technologies and breakthrough therapies and breakthrough thinking to address some of these big issues we're going to need new thinking and fresh approaches and so you know i think some industries kind of get set in their ways they keep hiring the same ceos and having the same investors and having the same sales leaders and having the same 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 yeah. and we kind of just keep getting the same 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 yes. right and so i just think we need change mm-hmm. from that perspective i also think we need more advocacy if you think about the American Heart Association or, I mean, even many of the cancer associations, these are huge advocacy groups and associations. And ours in Femtech are like grassroots, mm-hmm. small, not funded. And I don't think the patient voice is being brought forward as well as it could be if we had that type of support. Yes, totally. Wow. I love that um the same 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 problem i actually just had a phone call with one of the top law firms in the country the other day talking about like partnering or whatever and they were talking about yeah you know the covid stuff it's really messed us up because every year our biggest uh you know uh event is a is this golf thing that we sponsor 
And, you know, we couldn't do golf this year. And so we're finally starting to talk about what maybe we should think about other things. And I was like, oh, dear God. Yes, please do. Like, <laughs> like for decades, you've just always like defaulted to a golf tournament as like your biggest client thing. And now it's like, fine. well, if the pandemic provided you with some paradigm shift of like, huh, maybe we should rethink golfing. Like, that would be lovely. That would be so lovely, you know. Um, because that's where deals are made a lot of times. It's where investors share and talk about their financial stuff, right? Is like in the in the men's room, quote unquote, right? So I learned how to play golf 15 years ago just for that reason. <gasps> Kim, can you teach me? Ah, I'm still trying to learn. It's hard. <laughs> just, grab a, just grab a drink and okay. <laughs> just go for it. It's all in the yeah. hips, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, Kim, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much. I am honored to have a recent exit femtech founder on our show like you are the you know you're like the ribbon that everyone listening is like trying to go for so thank you so much for your time today and and teaching about us about uterine fibroids it's a it sounds like a super big issue and i'm glad there's at least some solutions now but let's continue to fight that fight yeah well i'm humbled by your words thank you so much and again thank you for having me today and best of luck with femtech focus it's uh, an amazing organization thank you Take care. Thank you for listening to our interview with Kim Rodriguez, former president, co-founder, and CEO of Excessa Health. Did you know that women with fibroids wait on an average of three and a half years before seeking treatment? Why do y'all think that is? Is it because women just accept uterine pain as part of life? Did the the complaints that they had about their cramps just get gaslighted by doctors or family members or friends for years. You know, maybe they were just told that they're being extra sensitive or they have really low pain threshold and that every woman gets cramps and that they should just kind of deal with it, you know, lay down, use a heating pad or I I don't know. I'm not one of these women. And so if you are one of these women and you took years in order to go get treatment, why, why did you wait? Did society say that you just had to deal with it or what? Um, I want to know because women, you deserve to be healthy and well. We do not deserve to have a baseline of pain in our lives forever. So let me know what y'all think. Hit us up on social or our virtual network. If you love our content, then please consider donating to Femtech Focus, which is a nonprofit organization. We still have our Giving Tuesday campaign running for a few more weeks through the end of the year. Your contributions go directly to helping us elevate the femtech industry. You can also support the show by sharing it with a friend, subscribing, and leaving a review. To stay up to date on femtech news and events and join the conversation, follow us on social at Femtech Focus, subscribe to our newsletter, and join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org. And until next time... Keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.